GBC Podcasts, local voices on demand. Hello, thanks for listening to the Gibraltar Today podcast. I'm Jonathan Scott. Is your well-being looked after at work? We speak to Brenda Cuby of the charity Gibsams and also Georgia Severs and Gareth Cross of the professional services company Aquarius. Five young runners are doing a 60-mile challenge for the UK charity Movember, with a particular focus, of course, on men's mental health. We speak to Isaac Vinette, Joseph Caetano, Michael Cipollina and Gabriel Benata. And we look ahead to Friday's disability fair with Jenny Victory. But first, what was said when the British and Spanish foreign ministers met in Brussels on Tuesday night? No word yet from David Cameron. We consider what José Manuel Álvarez had to say with senior GBC journalist Jonathan Sacramento. This was indeed the first face-to-face meeting between uh, Mr Álvarez and Mr Cameron and uh, they, they took advantage of the fact that they were both in Brussels for the NATO summit and uh, apparently, uh, according to Mr. Alvarez, it was David Cameron who initially sought out that preliminary phone call and then that one-to-one meeting. And in that meeting, Mr. Alvarez said that they discussed almost entirely Gibraltar. Sure. Uh, that that was just that, that was the the uh, nexus of that meeting. It, that, that's what they spent most of their time talking about. Because the backdrop, of course, is Russia and Israel, Hamas, but 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 the the UK and Spanish yes. foreign ministers were talking about yes, Gibraltar the, the, when they are, had their bilateral. These are breakaway meetings. Uh, these are uh, diplomats, uh, foreign secretaries, foreign ministers who take the opportunity of the fact that they're in the same building together to break away from the main issues of the day and talk about bilateral issues. So it's a sideline, yeah. Mm. Okay, and um, and you mentioned that phone call. We do have a, a quote from a spokesperson at the Foreign Commonwealth and Development Office about the phone call. Uh, During a call with Spanish Foreign Minister Alvarez, Foreign Secretary David Cameron underlined the UK government's commitment to concluding a UK-EU treaty on Gibraltar as soon as possible. Uh, We know, of course, that uh, the UK is working, uh, we've heard the Gibraltar government say, in lockstep with Gibraltar uh, and is committed to concluding a UK-EU treaty as soon as possible. And uh, the British government has repeatedly pointed out that they will not agree to anything that compromises sovereignty. Uh, so that was on the phone call, which uh, happened before uh, the meeting, the face-to-face sideline meeting yesterday. Um, and, um, and tell us a little bit more then about what uh, Miss Alvarez has said uh, uh, after that meeting with Lord Cameron. Well, so Mr. Alvarez said that they were very close to a final agreement, uh, but that nothing is agreed until everything is agreed. And he did kind of uh, concede that this is starting to sound like a bit of a mantra for uh, for the uh, for the, fa- uh, the the Spanish uh, foreign ministry. But uh, that's uh, essentially the crux of it. You know, he's saying that nothing is agreed until everything is is agreed. All right, let's have a listen to his words. Ha sido mi primer encuentro presencial con él que da seguimiento 
a la conversación telefónica que mantuve ayer con él y que prácticamente, era así como estaba diseñado, se ha centrado prácticamente y exclusivamente sobre el acuerdo de Gibraltar y los últimos aspectos ya que nos separan de poder tener un acuerdo definitivo como por ejemplo la fórmula del uso conjunto del aeropuerto sobre el que hemos estado intercambiando puntos de vista y opiniones y algunos otros aspectos que quedan por delimitar. So uh, it was a first face-to-face, it focused on Gibraltar, and um, they discussed the few remaining issues, uh, and that, that includes the use of the airport mm-hmm. and the, the language used by the Spanish for a number of years now uh, has been different to the language used by Gibraltar and the British, Jonathan. That's right. I mean, this was this issue uh, was, uh, well, it first came to the, the attention of the public uh, last year when Spain used the language joint use of, of the airports. Now Gibraltar is strongly against any, or the Gibraltar negotiating party, the chief minister and his team, uh, they're strongly against any uh, agreement which would have sovereignty implications uh, for Gibraltar. And uh, and uh, the UK, the, the only way that they've described it is as enhanced use. Uh, <clears throat> so, uh, but it, it, Mr. Alvarez says that that is one of the points of contention, or at least one of the points at which there is no final agreement. Uh, and uh, but he does say that there is willingness on both parts to find uh, his words were efficient and practical formulas to enact a, a shared region of prosperity. So uh, he's there. He says that they're looking for uh, formulas to be able to uh, um, diplomatically resolve all the different positions, but he says that most of the agreement is there. So it sounds positive in short, really. No, I mean, I know there's this major issue of whether it's enhanced use as per the British side or joint use as per the, the EU side, but, but generally a positive statement. Well, he says there's been progress. Yeah. On he, that says there's been, exactly. he says there's been progress. Okay. Uh, but that most of the agreements says this is a political conversation, uh, and the, the agreements then have to be fleshed out by the negotiating teams, black upon white, as he says. Uh, now, uh, but obviously, there's the issue of the time frame as well. This has been dragged out quite a lot over the last few years. But he says that he still doesn't have a time frame because this was, of course, the first meeting between himself and Mr. Cameron after a sort of hiatus because uh, the Spanish elections led to a hung parliament and it's been a few months before they've been able to form government. Uh, and uh, But he says that it shouldn't take much longer. He says this is a transitory situation, that this isn't a permanent situation. This isn't normality. Normality is once we have a deal or we don't. And that's the normality that then resumes. Uh, and But he did actually point out that there's a, a, a looming, uh, another looming possible potential hiatus uh, in June because then that's the time for the European elections. And, of course, this, whatever treaty is agreed, then needs to be ratified by the European Commission, and that can't happen whilst they're in the middle of a of an electoral process themselves. Uh, so so, so uh, he, he just, just flagged it, that there's a, another so, potential hiatus on the horizon. So, so ideally then, um, uh, Gibraltar's future relationship with the EU would be agreed and, and signed off by June when the European elections start, no? Yes, but we've been here before. Ideally <laughs> it would be signed off 
before the Gibraltar election. Ideally, it would be signed off before the Spanish election. I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of ideas here. By the way, there's another uh, another one down the line next year for the UK elections. Uh, but but look, I mean, it, it'll happen when it happens. And uh, I think the the people who are keeping an eye on when this deal happens have already had a few ideals come and gone. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Well, let's hope this one stands, though, <laughs> for all of our sake. <laughs> um, well, they keep saying that they're nearly there. Gibraltar Today with Jonathan Scott. How's your well-being at work? For many of us, we spend the majority of our time at work. And do you feel that your well-being there is being looked after? Well, suicide prevention charity Jibsams has once again recognised businesses in their annual Wellbeing Awards. Uh, Jibsams Chief Executive Brenda Cuby is here with Georgia Severs from Aquarius and also Gareth Cross uh, from the same professional services company. So uh, thank you for being here and I believe congratulations are in order for Aquarius. Yes, thank you very much. We're very excited that Aquarius won this year. It was considering it was our first year. It w- it meant a lot to us. Uh, tell us what um, what what initiatives have you undertaken to to sort of make sure that well being at work is being looked after. Well, we looked at a range of initiatives to cover different aspects and facets of well being. So we've looked at financial well being. So. We've um, introduced death and service insurance, critical illness insurance, workplace pension, and also we've been coordinating with a number of local businesses to introduce a discount scheme for our employees. We've also looked at physical well-being, so we've got discounted gym memberships. We did a step challenge for everyone at work which was a fun way to encourage physical activity. We have also invited everyone at our workplace to do the St. John Ambulance First Aid at Work. Then we've looked at psychological well-being and we've got four members of staff that have trained as mental health first aiders. We've introduced a monthly newsletter which has articles on sustainability and well-being every month. And we also did a well-being talk with one of the trustees of Jibsams, Kirsten Anlaw, where we spoke to the team about well-being and what it meant to them. And then, of course, we had the social well-being. We've always had a social scene, but this year we're trying to be more frequent and diverse and inclusive in the activities that we host and encourage staff to do. Well, there's quite a lot to unpack there. Um, <laughs> let me first ask uh, Gareth. Um, uh, you know, if you look at uh, the sort of look at this from a management perspective as chief operating officer, uh, w- when when you're first uh, approached uh, about doing more for well-being, uh, do you do you look at this as a sort of a fuzzy topic, or, or or is it something which nowadays is immediately sort of like yes, this this is in our business's interest. I think it's very clearly in business interest, but I think there's there's a number of angles that you can use to approach this. And and first and foremost, and importantly, it, it's just the right thing to do. It's the right thing to support those that you work so closely with and you spend so much time with on a, on a day-to-day basis. Yes, we could look at the business angle and say there is a business advantage to uh, promoting uh, well-being. 
be it that uh, others outside the organization might choose to work for you or you can choose to or you may retain talent that already work in your business but the reality is that we've approached this first and foremost with a view of this is the right thing to do we want to be in a, in a business and a company that looks after its people so let's bring in brenda then uh, a, a number of um different aspects that aquarius has looked at uh, you know looked at well-being through a, a number of different prisms shall we say including financial because i suppose you know you, you want to make sure that people are are financially well uh, because otherwise they will be worrying about a mortgage, getting food on the table, given uh, the cost of living crisis. So I- interesting to hear sort of, you know, that, that, that it starts there in, in some respects, doesn't it? And that's what's, you know, really good to hear. And that's one of the things that, you know, we're looking at as the areas of, you know, what is well-being in companies, because it can't just be that you provide fruit or you provide them with, um, you know, maybe time off in lieu, or you give them, you know, easy, you know, work from home or different things like that. You need to look at all the aspects. And if you're meeting those needs, and especially in today's climate with the finances, the way things are, if you can help ease that worry, the staff are going to be more loyal. They're going to want to stay with that company because they're not, you know... Okay, maybe somebody else might say, oh, I'll give you a £1,000 extra. But if they're not being looked after in other areas, then it's not going to work. Absolutely. Um, Okay, so that's financial well-being. Uh, And we heard um, Georgia mention a a number of other aspects, including, um, you know, the mental health first aid training. How important is that from your perspective? We would like to see everybody in Gibraltar mental health first aid trained or suicide first aid trained. We feel it is an important skill, as important as learning CPR, um, as important as doing, you know, learning basic first aid. We want mental health first aid to be given the same um, level of importance that normal first aid is. Okay, uh, and what did it mean for for you guys, Georgia? Um, I mean, it, we we sort of have uh, an appreciation, I think, or have had for longer of of you know what first aid is, but mental first aid, mental health first aid, uh, has grown in recent years. Uh, and um, you know, how, how did you guys approach it, and and, and how many of you are now um, you know sort of uh, have had that training? Well, we approached it by first asking our staff who would like to partake in the mental health first aid training. And we reached out to a supplier online. Then we're going to be looking at the Gibsam's wellbeing training course come January next year. But it's extremely important because I don't think I personally was aware of mental health first aid and trade training a year ago. And now, like you said, Brenda, it's extremely important for everyone in a business to be aware of how to deal with people, how to deal with different situations, especially in managerial roles. And that's just not reflected at the minute. So Mm. it is extremely important. So give us an example of a situation in which mental health first aid training would be useful and, and how you'd use it. Well, I think it's... For me, as being the leader of the wellbeing committee, if anybody came to me prior to my training, I don't know how I would 
handle that situation, how I would speak to that person. But now I've got more of an idea of listening to what they're saying, but also listening to what they're not saying and just dealing with that individual on the on the necessary level, on a personal level, whilst meaning, maintaining an appropriate relationship with them. And I suppose, um, you know, part of uh, the, the Jib Sam's philosophy is that sometimes it's just really important for the person who is in distress, should we say, to, to talk to talk to someone and to to know that they're not being judged and, and you know, that the person is not necessarily going to suggest easy fixes because inevitably the problem is not, like, doesn't have an easy fix. No? And that's right. And I think, and this is the thing that some people may prefer to talk to Georgia, they may prefer to talk to Gareth, and that's why it's important that you have different... Um, people as the mental health first aiders because and you need to have them at every level so you know from the top down to the bottom or the bottom up to the top every level should have a mental health first aider so that people can feel comfortable about talking to them and because if you've only got choice of one person they might not want to come talk to me you know maybe I'm the problem um and so, you know, and, and other people have different ways of how they can empathise and how they can, you know, be that person that you can listen to without trying to fix. Gareth, can I ask you, do you think that uh, the wellbeing initiatives introduced by Aquarius have already sort of lifted morale or, or perhaps is it a bit soon to, to say? Uh, I think they absolutely have. I think you mentioned a word earlier, is it um, a fuzzy subject? I think it's something that could be spoken a lot about, uh, but you need to change that from, from words to actions. And I think that uh, those actions that Georgia primarily has taken, uh, with support from others, has been really well received uh, by all those concerned. Excellent. And um, we're talking a lot about mental health, but we know that um, physical health plays a significant role in that. Uh, tell us uh, in brief, Georgia, how you guys have approached that idea that, you know, feeling well physically helps you to, to feel well psychologically. Well, I think the two go hand in hand. Physical health is extremely important for your mental well-being and vice versa. So without trying to force people to partake in anything that they don't want to, We've tried to make it a more fun activity where people can get involved to the extent that they wish to get involved. And it's been a team effort as such, instead of just looking at the individual. And I think that's what is so important for us, is that it's a team effort. And you mentioned team, you mentioned fun, and earlier you talked about social well-being. So, so mm. there's also that, no? like um, yes. making sure that you have some downtime together, that you can talk and talk about things that aren't work-related. Of course, we have a quite a big social scene at Aquarius because we do all generally get on with it, with each other quite well. So, you know, we've got the classic night out after after work, but we also go on things walks or together, or we go to the. We've had members of staff who have actually been in plays, so we've gone to see them as a as a group oh, at the theatre. Yeah. Yes, so it, it is a nice um, it's a nice environment, and then then nice trips out. Awesome. So uh, we're talking um, uh, about well-being at work, and, and Brenda uh, Aquarius were, were very successful in in this uh, year's uh, initiative. Uh, tell us what what other ways have businesses improved their policies, or, or, or if somebody's listening to this and is in a position to to make a change at their place of work, what 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 other things might they consider? 
So there's things like, you know, like flexible working. It's about putting well-being at the heart of the business, you know, um, what, you know, offering the training, offering the support, offering the different areas that, you know, like the finance, you know, looking at all that aspects, looking at the social, the finance, looking at the um, physical, looking at the environment, making sure that people feel supported in all aspects. So because, you know, we're all going to go through difficult times, whether it's, you know, you suffer bereavement, you suffer loss, you know, and being able to have some flexibility and freedom to be able to explore that, you know, companies locally, you know, more and more are offering um, EAP programs. They're offering um, support, not just for themselves, but for their extended families, because that sometimes is, you know, if your child is ill, you need to have that flexibility from your employer to be able to deal with that without feeling stressed, without feeling that you've got to meet a deadline. So there's a lot of things like that Mm. going on. Okay. Uh, two more questions, if I can, before I, I let you guys go. Um, and these are for you, uh, for Jibsams, Brenda. Um, uh, firstly, uh, do you feel that uh, the awards, which uh, the Wellbeing at, uh, in the Workplace Awards, uh, which have been running for a few years, are now having sort of a lasting effect? Yes, because what we're noticing is that there was um, quite a lot of, you know, we only had one new person, uh, one new company that were was awarded. So that was 11 other companies that have coming back and you know again and again um there were several of them that have been there from the start and this was their fourth star um and we're seeing them coming back with new initiatives so it's something which is in inherent now we're seeing that it's working really well not like a one-off it sort of uh, triggered a a thought process what can we do to improve our well-being at work exactly and they're looking at what can they do for next year what how can they improve that to take it further mm. how can they ensure that well-being is at the center of the business decisions that they're making good stuff and a little bit of competition in that is never a bad thing i'm sure uh, and uh, before we let you go then brenda um uh, lo- you know very busy time for for uh, jibsams uh, as a suicide prevention charity um you've had a flag day uh, you've got the christmas day lunch on the horizon yes so that is our annual Christmas Day lunch this year. It's being held at Time Out. Um, we'd love to see anybody who is on their own or feeling alone um, to come down um, 12.30 to 3.30 on Christmas Day. Um, if they can, book and email us at info at gibsams.gi. But if on the day you feel that you've got nothing, nowhere else to go, um, then please do come and see us. We will give you a warm welcome, lots of good food, company and entertainment. On Radio Gibraltar and on GBC Television, Gibraltar Today with Jonathan Scott. November's coming to an end, and that means for many an end to growing moustaches. You might have seen at the weekend uh, there was a big shave-off, and, um, and now we're going to talk to f- uh, four of five young runners who are doing a 60-mile challenge for Movember. They're raising money for the UK charity with, obviously, a particular focus on mental health. And uh, joining me now, Isaac Benet, Joseph Gaetano, Michael Schipolina and Gabriel Benata. Uh, So thank you so much for joining us, guys. And uh, let me just ask you first off... um, to explain why, why you've chosen 60 miles, which is more or less 100 kilometres, but I think saying it in miles is, is significant because of the 60, right? 
Um, yeah. Um, when looking at uh, suicide rates in the UK, we saw that there's 60 suicides an hour. So that's where we got the 60 miles. That's that's terrible. No? It's a, a shocking statistic, really, to, to think of uh, how, how many lives and how much potential is is gone. Um, and uh, so, so that motivated you then to, to do the 60 miles and, and uh, tell us a little bit about how you've approached that. Uh, we've all got busy schedules. So we had to fit in basically maybe five kilometres, ten kilometres a day. Those who could, some days we'd have to take the, the day off because of other commitments. But it resembles life in general. And <clears throat> we saw that basically every everyone has different obstacles in life. Um, and you've got to tackle it basically on your own at some point, And you've got to take that on at the front and do what you can. Okay, let's bring in the other guys. Um, how have you approached the the um, the challenge of of getting sixty miles in, and and what's motivated you? Um, if I'm honest, uh, previously, I've had um, some tough challenges. Obviously, in in my life and friends that I've had tough challenges. So um, that's what motivated me to do this. I mean, Isaac came up with the idea just towards the end of October. And as soon as he said it, we all decided to agree with him. Um, obviously, the month, when when you hear it, 100 kilometers in a month sounds easier than it is. But we all have training, we all have um, our own different sports, so it's been very hard to get round it, to it. But we're nearly there now and it's nearly over, so... It's been quite a tough month. So, so who of you? Because I know Gabriel plays hockey. No, you guys have you guys got a, like a, a sporting background? How hard, or uh, apart from the logistics of sort of fitting it in, uh, how physically prepared were you for and, and psychologically to, to run hundred kilometers? So, for me, obviously, I, everyone has their own schedules. Whether you finish six p.m., four p.m., so sometimes you try to fit in between those gaps, whether it's running or walking. Honestly, most of them have done them running. I have done it walking. I'm quite lazy in that in that sense. I've been quite busy with my schedule, so I thought walking would be a bit easier. I tend to do it in the night. So in that, it's it's been hard to kind of fit that in. But like I said, I think it's something that mental health, a lot of people underestimate. Not a lot of people talk about it. This is the first time I personally have done Movember. I think it's kind of opened my eyes into how serious mental health is. And Isaac obviously brought us in and he's told us the stats that I wasn't aware of either. And I think it's something a lot of people need to kind of have the courage to speak up about it. At one point, I'm sure everyone in their lives has gone through like a certain patch. They need to speak to someone, anyone in the family or the friends. And some people are quite embarrassed to speak out about their mental health. So I just want this to kind of show the public that it's all right. If you need to speak to someone, there's always someone around you that you can talk to. So it's more like raising the awareness. It's, it's okay to speak to someone. So if you need to, even if you don't know us, we're always here for a chat. That's nice, man. That's cool. And, and it's cool. You guys are uh, in your 20s, I guess, no? Yeah. Mid-20s, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it, it's also, um, I think, brave of you to, to do it at that age. Um, um, so good on you. Uh, and tell me, like, when, when you've been, like, walking or running, um, have you sort of... Has that been like a prompt for you to think a little bit about um, about your own mental health and, and the mental health of of those uh, friends and, and family members? 
Yes, I mean to be honest, when when you go on your runs and when you when you see every day your your numbers accumulating and getting bigger and bigger, you start to see and start to think more about the bigger picture and what you're actually doing it all for. So, for example, I know myself personally, I cannot really say anything on the issue because I'm lucky enough that I haven't really had many big problems in my life to touch wood to do with mental health, but. When you have friends who come to you and say they have these problems, like you start to realize you're running for something much bigger than just a hundred kilometers, and all the all the funds as well that you're raising it goes towards a very very good cause. So that keeps you motivated. And now we're almost at the end, and we want to finish it strong. Our goal was one thousand pounds to raise. We have hit already four thousand three hundred plus. So. Hopefully, maybe with this interview, we can get to five thousand and get a bit of attention to get to five thousand, and yeah, let's see how we end up. <laughs> Fingers crossed. So, so if somebody's listening now and, and thinks that yes. uh, they'd like to support you, how can they do that? They can follow us on Instagram. Our Instagram page is sixty miles for November with the sixty in numbers, and the link to donate is there. But you could also follow us on our individual Instagram pages: Michael Cipollina, Isaac Vinet, Gabriel Benatar, uh, Joe Gilbert, and. Joseph Joe Caetano, and our links are also on those pages. So if you are feeling generous, feel free to give us a donation. It goes to a great cause, and yeah. So so yeah, a shout out to Joseph Gilbert who's doing the um, challenge, but but wasn't able to be here today. Yeah. You know? Good stuff. Um, okay, so uh, w w when you think of young men uh, in particular, given that you guys are in your twenties, uh, Isaac, what, what what do you think are the main challenges um, in respect of mental health? I think. The main challenge would be opening up. Everyone feels like they are a man. They are too strong to open up. It's they think that it's not okay to be not okay. And in reality, everyone has their challenges. And the moment you do open up, I can tell this as a personal experience. When you do open up to friends, family, whoever's behind you, yeah, you get a massive sign of relief. And that's why I had this um, idea to do this. Sure, and 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 sometimes we 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 sort of have discussions about whether, um, you know, the the downsides to social media. Um, do you get the sense at all that sometimes you know people have unrealistic expectations of what they should be doing with their lives because, uh, I don't know, there's an influencer who's who's giving this unrealistic or really sort of hyped up um, reality or version of reality that is difficult for people to actually meet. Yeah, Instagram basically. You're trying to live a fake life because you want to be like everyone else. But in reality, you've got to be your own person. Everyone's unique, everyone's special, and everyone's loved. So you've got to focus more on yourself, I would say, than try and be like other people. And once you do that, you'll be a lot happier in life. That's a really great message. I don't know if you guys want to chip in. Uh, on that topic, actually... When you think about what we have done and what we are achieving this month, we are showing that everyone has their own journey towards their 100 kilometers and towards the money they're donating, but we all ultimately will get to the same goal. So you don't need to follow anyone else or have your own <clears throat> or like try to be someone else. Everyone has their own journey and ultimately you can get to where you want to get to just by being yourself and pushing forward. Gibraltar Today with Jonathan Scott.
Staying with uh, mental health, uh, we've had a couple of comments on our earlier guests. Bev says, uh, regarding mental health and social media, uh, well done to the young men uh, taking up the Movember challenge because she says people on social media only post positive stories and images and we need to remind ourselves uh, that uh, that can result in feelings of inadequacy and make us feel a little bit low. Uh, So well done to Isaac and the rest of the the young men for raising money and awareness and talking so uh, bravely about that issue. And uh, Matt says something similar. Matt says social media is creating anxiety in young people, increasingly young people, in fact. And uh, Matt congratulates uh, the team. So if you want to look them up, a reminder that they're um, uh, on Instagram and they are 60 miles for Movember. Right, we're going to talk about a disability fair now, which is happening on Friday. It's going to showcase services available from government and also private organisations. And uh, joining us in the Radio Gibraltar studio now is Head of the Disability Office, Jenny Victory. Uh, Good afternoon, Jenny. Uh, Thank you for joining us. And um, tell us, what have you got in store for Friday? Thank you for having me, Jonathan. So Friday, we are down at the Mooga, the Bayside Sports Complex. We'll be there as from 12pm and we'll be there right through until the evening to 6pm. And the Disability Fair has three different aspects to it, really. So we have um, charity stalls, which are basically showcasing what they do. The purpose is really to say, hi, we exist. This is what we do. This is how we can help you. Um, and what do you need from us? So that's what the charities are doing. Okay. In similarly, the we've got departments from government setting up stalls as well and doing a very similar issue, showcasing what uh, government does have to offer, and again asking as well, what do you need? How can we help you? Yeah, because I was going to say, sometimes I suppose you must get questions about the sort of services are, that are on offer, what is and what isn't, uh, and and it's always good to, to sort of just, you know, spell these out and, and, and make sure that uh, you're communicating these in, in as many different ways as possible. Definitely, definitely. And that is really the purpose of this. The inspiration from this did come from um, a conference that's held every year in the UK, and it's the same thing. It's about uh, signposting, telling people look, this is what is available in the community. Inform yourself and don't feel lonely because having a disability can feel very, very lonely at times when there's really no need because there are lots of people out there who can support you, lots of different charities, lots of different departments and this is what the purpose is about. It's about celebrating disability. Usually there's a big stigma about disability and um, everything tends to be quite negative when actually some disabilities just mean that you're a little bit different And being different is fine. And this is really what that's all about. So that's two aspects to the fair. And the third aspect is we have some speakers. So speakers will start at 3.30pm. We have Minister Santos opening it. And each speaker will speak for approximately 10 minutes. And we've got 15 speakers, one after the other. And it brings us to a close at 6pm. The speakers, I wanted to make sure that they all come um, talking about disability from a different angle. So we have some personal experiences... We have some professionals working in the private field and in government explaining what they do and how they can help. And again, the purpose is really to inform people. But the talks are also there to inspire and say, look, it's not all negative. We can come together, work together and make everybody's life a bit better. 
That that sounds really great, and 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 uh, and sometimes you, you you can get like an inspirational speaker um, sharing personal experience as well as I suppose best practice, and and it can really sort of get you to think a little bit um, better, shall we say, you know, about the challenges Definitely. that that we face. Uh, so excellent. So so then it's charity stalls, um, government sort of uh, sharing information with its agencies, uh, partner agencies, and also keynote speakers. It's all happening on Friday from 12 o'clock at the Muga Bayside Sports Complex. Is this a, a ticketed event? Not a ticketed event. Everybody is welcome. Please come down. Come down with your families. Come down with your children. Everybody is welcome. And if you've got 15 speakers, I imagine that uh, people who might finish work at 3 or 4 o'clock, th- th- that'll be ongoing until 6 o'clock? That will be ongoing. So starts at 330 one after the other, straight through until six. There will be a list of speakers on itinerary, so to say, published, um, if it hasn't been published already. Um, so check out, have and see. I've tried to group the speakers together so that if you're interested in a particular disability, because disability is so wide-ranging, that you can come and listen to the few on the ones that you're interested in the area, the topic that you're interested in. Okay, and where can people check that? So that would be published um, everywhere. It should be published already um, in the Haitian government of Gibraltar social media pages. Thanks for listening to those highlights from Gibraltar today. I'm Kelly M. Borge, the show's producer. We're live on Radio Gibraltar Monday to Friday from 1 to 2, getting behind the headlines. And you can catch up here whenever you like. Until next time, have a good one. GBC Podcasts, local voices on demand.